Hello, everybody. This is uh, Mike Adrianson. I'm your host for the Manhattan Minute podcast. I'm here with uh, Jim Miller from Whistle Mission Outdoors podcast. And also we have a special guest today, our uh, Manhattan Police Chief, Mr. Uh, Jeff Wold. Thanks for having me, Mayor. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining us today. So as as usual, we always uh, update everybody about what's going in, uh, going on around in Manhattan. And um, I thought it'd be great to bring the police chief on. He has been working with us since August, and I would like to introduce you to Jeff Wold. Jeff, uh, how how do you feel things are going in Manhattan? I mean, do you like the job there, and you like the community? There's only one correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is yes. I love it. We do have a great group of officers, and uh, the community is great. And uh, our village board is very supportive of the police department. Yes, I agree. Everyone seems to be um, looking forward to building up the police department and um, having new additions and things like that. So, that uh, you know, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself or your history, where you, where you came from, and what you've been doing for the past couple of years? Sure. I have uh, 25 years of police experience. I started out in Shanahan as a patrol officer, and during that time, I worked my way up to uh, chief of police, and I served at Shanahan as chief for seven years. Uh, after that, I worked for a short time at Wabonzi Community College in their campus police department. And uh, in August of last year, I came over to Manhattan. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Everything seems to be going uh, very well. It was August already, huh? I remember when that was all going down. Yeah, August 3rd. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, time flies. It's, I've been in office almost a year. So, oh yeah, that is cool. What was it? It was May, May, May 4th, May the 4th be with you is when I was sworn ah, in. Ah, nice, so, nice. Yeah, that's coming uh, up. I think the election was April 6th. So the election's been a year and now I'm coming up to my anniversary date. So, um, so yeah. How do you want to move into some of these questions we have here? Well, I was just thinking of starting out, um, you know, asking uh, Chief if anything new going on in the department as far as, I, I noticed we have a new sergeant and a couple new uh, officers. So, you want to tell us how that's going, how, how it is? Yeah, it's real good. Uh, new sergeant is Tina Yasadovich. She's been with the department for about 20 years, and she's running our midnight shift for us, and she also heads up our field training program. Oh, great. How many officers are on midnights? Uh, in one shift, I mean. Uh, two to three, depending on the night of the week. Okay. Also, is there, um, is there a struggle hiring new officers out there in, in the world today? I always hear things about, you know, we're trying to get uh, more help, more help everywhere. Uh, fire departments are struggling, uh, waitresses, uh, cooks, everything. Is that, is that happening with the police department? Yeah, that's happening nationwide. I mean, not so bad in Manhattan. We seem to get a fair amount of applicants, but and I'm not sure if it has to do with the economy or COVID or just the state of the uh, you know political, uh, political landscape, why people aren't applying for police officer positions, but there's somewhat of a... Uh, decline in applicants but in manhattan we still get uh, enough applicants to staff our department do you think that's because of the low crime rate i mean just because it's a safe place to be anyway do you think it'd, it'd be a great place to be a cop it is a great place to be a cop it, it or is a police officer i'm sorry i didn't mean to be it's, it's not disrespectful no <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah no it is a great place to be a police officer and uh, i think our officers know that that's why uh, we retain a good percentage of our police officers it seems like we're, you know, doing really well, fully staffed. We have a, a lot of part-timers that uh, come out to help us often. You want to tell us about, uh, we have a new investigator, right? I mean, did you make a change there? It seemed like we had the same investigator who's done a great job for many years. Has he uh, passed the torch on to someone else? Is- yeah, yeah, he passed it on to uh, Officer Goody. He's now our detective at our department. He's been around for a couple years. And what I really like, like about Goody is he has a good uh, balance of street smarts and technological skills where he's able to... Uh, 
deal with the day-to-day technology requirements of being an investigator at a police department. Great. Yeah. And things are going good. It seems like everyone took that really well. Uh, seems like everyone's getting along in the department. I know, uh, we just recently, the last board meeting, we didn't have a lot of stuff on the agenda, but one of them was uh, a new commander position, uh, that is being implemented in the Manhattan police department. I believe there's two commanders that we, uh, approved it for. Yeah, that's correct. Two commander positions and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll fill them soon uh, at the next board meeting. What, uh, this is just me just not knowing things, but what, what is, what does a commander do? Like what's the difference between like a chief and like a commander? So, obviously they're reporting to you, right? And a sergeant. What, what's the difference? Yeah. I correct. guess Jeff would be able to. Yeah. The commander's right in the middle of sergeant and chief of police and the a sergeant really takes care of his or her shift where a commander will have department-wide responsibilities. So One, they're, they're like 24-7 coverage almost. They, they get, they're responsible for people around the clock. And, correct. Okay. So sergeant's just a, kind of a shift leader almost. In <clears throat> uh, most departments, in our department, we do give her a little bit more responsibilities because we only have uh, the three supervisors. But uh, she mostly takes care of her, her shift and the FTO program. And then uh, one commander will take care of all of patrol. The other will take care of all of investigations and administration. Okay. Yeah, I did not know that. I saw that on our list, and I I, meant, I wanted to ask that because I had no idea. No, I'm sure everyone wants to know, so it's good that you asked. That's why I brought you on here, Jim, so we could uh, <laughs> figure this out. I could be the average <laughs> yeah. guy, the, yeah. the normal guy on the podcast. Average Jim, not average Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one thing I'm really curious about, can I ask the next one? Yeah, go ahead. I'm really curious about these flat cameras. Oh, yeah. We... we um. You know, that's just one thing I mentioned to the police chief, a couple things that I always thought would be great addition to the uh, village. And, you know, all I did was mention it lightly. And uh, next thing you know, he's out there getting a grant for it and getting them ready to install and moving along. But I'm so, just curious, are they, are they actually that effective? I'm going to let mean, him talk to you about that, yeah. They, I don't have a percentage on how effective they are, but uh, without the cameras, we've solved about seven or eight cases using flock cameras at other jurisdictions okay. by contacting them. And saying, hey, we're looking for a vehicle with a certain description or during a certain time frame. And they'll come up with a video that we can identify the, the vehicle and run their license plate and track down the offender. That's cool. That's, I, I didn't know until you guys were getting this. I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah, it's all over. And I, I was just thinking um, it would be an addition to our community because, I mean, hopefully it never happens. But if there was ever a, a kid that was missing or, you know, you can maybe uh, uh, track it down to a time frame and really uh, – get on top of it right away and make sure that you apprehend the you know person that may have taken the child. I don't know if that is a good source of it, but... Well, yeah, that is a benefit of having flock cameras. Um, if you have a, a date and time, you can track down all the vehicles that have passed by that flock camera. Uh, and then basically, if you find one that matches your description, then you can, you know, take So is further. the flock camera, like, can, like, if... If let's say they just got a description, the vehicle's heading into Manhattan, but they the problem happened in New Lenox. Can like New Lenox go and access the Manhattan cameras and vice versa, or like who's watching them? I guess. Well, actually, nobody watches the cameras. Uh, New Lenox can enter into their system a description of the vehicle or a time and location where they want it checked, and then the flock camera will alert and say, "Tell us to look for that." Uh, those. Uh, the description of that vehicle, and then we would get back to New Lenox and say, "Yeah, it entered our town at midnight or one in the morning." Okay, cool. So it does all; it all works together. I mean, if you knew somebody was heading east on thirty, you could start looking in all the towns going down thirty and correct. Okay, that's that. How would you even get away from that? Well, you and know? it's not it's not a Big Brother watching you, as everyone seems to imply. You know that uh, someone's sitting there and just watching someone's car drive around. I mean, it's more. 
hey, a red four-door sedan uh, was seen outside of a crime. You know, let's narrow it down to four-door sedans at that time frame. You know what? If, and, if my truck was picked up on a description of a bad guy doing something and I got pulled over for it, you know, yeah. I'd... I'd Go ahead. Yep. You know, you're limiting yeah. it down. I, it doesn't bother me anyway. So go ahead and yeah. find me, whatever. I wasn't doing it. So, yep. And they could track it, like you said, uh, once it, it seems like once they go through and find a license plate number, for example, I mean, they've, re- I believe you recovered something in Rockford, uh, a stolen vehicle that was in, in the village of Manhattan. That's correct. Around Christmas, we had two cars taken and uh, we entered the vehicle plate into the flock system. And Rockford police ended up calling us and saying, yeah, we have both of your vehicles. No kidding. The one time my brother thinks he got caught up by this, he has a black F-150, and he was driving through Lamont. Guy pulls him over, he comes out, he looks at him, looks at the back of the truck and says, you're good to go, and gets back in the car and drives away. Is there a chance something like that is what, why he got pulled over? Guy didn't tell him any reason why he got pulled over. There's a possibility someone, there may have been a crime, and someone said that the offender was driving a black vehicle, Yeah, maybe he had certain damage on it when the officer pulled him over, seeing there wasn't damage, and... Okay. Yeah, it was just really good. He's like, the reason, you might have been there. We were late for golf. He was late for a tea time. And uh, he goes, the guy didn't even say anything. He says he just pulled me over, looked around, and got back in his car. Yeah, and it's a believable story because he's never late for a tea time. So, I mean, it'd be different yeah. if he was late all the time making up a story, but uh, that, that wasn't the case. Go ahead. You, you want to go no, on the no, next one? How about you go? I'm, the other thing I'm really excited about, I would quit my job right now if I had the opportunity. I'm curious about this canine unit. Yeah, we're, uh, we always talked about it. And like I said before, uh, you mentioned it, and the police chief uh, you know, does his uh, homework. And next thing you know, he's... I'll let him, well, let me let him talk about it. So the canine unit in Manhattan, what do you sure. think? Well, the canine unit's supplied from a grant from the Will County State's Attorney's Office. I was aware of that back in Shanahan, we used the grant and we ended up getting the dog. I was familiar with the process. It seemed like there was an appetite from our village board to go further with the dog. I contacted the state's attorney. They still had the grant available. So the, the, the Will County State's Attorney will supply, pay for the dog, pay for the training of the dog, Pay for the training of the officer and play and pay. Excuse me, and pay for all the related equipment that goes onto the squad car. So, okay. So, so, do you have to get a whole new car, or is it an add-on? What something you guys have already, or you could do either one. We're in the cycle right now where we are purchasing a new squad, so we're going to dedicate that squad to the K nine unit. But we were going to get a squad anyway this year. So, oh, okay, cool. And it sounds like you have to have the car ready. And uh, upfitted for the dog prior to being able to receive the dog. So before we get to the training part, I'd, right? Is that right? Right. Once you uh, select a canine handler and get a car, that's when you start going out and shopping for a dog or you know acquiring a dog. Okay, and I, I got to imagine because that all goes into the training, right? I mean, that's all part of it. Yeah, the the officer and the car go with to training with the dog because they they really don't even want people petting canines, right? What? Uh, all the police dogs, they don't really want random people just petting them. You know, that's probably a good rule of thumb. I know some you can pet, some you you don't want to. There's a couple dogs that uh, are very friendly. And coming May 4th, we're actually going to have about five or six dogs from the Will County area coming to the village of Manhattan to help us select our canine handler and to put on a demonstration for our officers who are interested in the position. And then also with the canines, isn't there something where, like, you can kind of pick two main tricks that they have that they can do. Like they could be your backup and a drug sniffing dog or a sniffing dog and something else like a rescue. Correct. Ours will search, uh, sniff out drugs and uh, track people and, and lost articles. Okay. 
Any idea of breed of dog you're looking at yet, or I mean, anything of interest? Again, that's up to once we select a handler, he'll pick out the the dog he's most interested in. Uh, there's a lot of buzz around the station where we're hearing good good stuff about German short-haired pointers. Oh, very, yeah, definitely, definitely, very good dogs. I mean, uh, big hunters will use those. Not a labradoodle. No, that, yeah, yeah, you want a little barky one? I got one out there. <laughs> yeah. um, but those 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 dogs specifically, they use for like pheasant, all kinds of hunting, and it's because they train easy, they learn, they're loyal. You know, those that would be a good dog. That would be a cool dog to have. Yeah, any dog that's a good hunting dog would probably make a good tracking dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was uh, one guy in my neighborhood over here. I don't know if he's a canine guy anymore, but he was running bloodhounds, we think. He was in a bloodhound association, but I know bloodhounds make good, some sort of sniffing dog for something. So yeah. I wasn't sure if that was in the running or, you know. Yeah, bloodhounds are used a lot for tracking lost people and uh, deceased people. Okay. We just didn't want to go with the aggressive uh, attack dog, you know. I mean, I don't think we need that for our community. No, no. I, the, the biggest thing is like... Uh, you know, like backup, you know, you see the videos of police pulling them over, people over and having the dog out. Somebody comes after the cop and then the dog backs them up. You know, I wasn't sure, yeah. you know, what, what it was going to, what it was going to be, you know? No, it's exciting. A, a lot of people will be very thrilled to see this uh, dog come in and it's also about uh, maintaining safety in the community and that's all part of the big plan. And it seems like uh, everything's moving pretty fast with the, the police chief there uh, taking care of things. So um, here's another topic that seems to be going around town is speeding seems like uh, I get calls pretty much weekly about people speeding and uh, trucks coming through town. And I know that's two separate topics, but maybe you can uh, touch on that. I mean, it seems like you guys are stretched thin because every road someone's complaining about speeding. And it seems like you do a good job uh, trying to just, you know, share the workload, I guess. Yeah. Well, Manhattan, like every town, has its fair share of speeders. I just really wish the speeders would take into account that the hazards they're creating for the pedestrians and the other motorists... You know, and the residents that live on those streets, I'm sure they don't want uh, people speeding by their house. But uh, when we do get complaints, we take it seriously. We, you know, we have our officers go out and check the area, run radar. We try to find out the date and time that the speeders or the description of the vehicles that are speeding. And we try to catch them. And uh, right now, our speeding tickets are probably up about 10% from what they were last year. And I don't know if that's uh, because there's been more complaints or more people are speeding, but... Just I took a look at the numbers earlier today. Is to, there any like age demographic that's really changing this or no? There, there could be. I didn't check. I didn't go that far to check. Oh, uh, I was just age. just me but, thinking of stuff, you know. You know, yeah, like a new new driver or something. Yeah, so. I was just wondering if is it seventeen year old kids just showing off for their buddies or is it something else or whatever? I feel like it's know? people driving from expressways and all the aggravation. If you go on eighty, I, I get stressed out. Today I was on I eighty and I, I was stressed out because of all the traffic and all the construction and everything. So by the time they get home, they probably just want to get home. And maybe that's just a fault that they... My dad always traveled the highways for work. He's got a 40-mile ride to work every day. And he always talked about highway hypnosis. I don't yeah. know if that could be something like it that, could be. Too. Maybe you're used to driving 60 miles an hour on the highway and you're on a side road. And like you just... say, just impatient of potholes yeah. and traffic on I-80 and you're ready to be home. Yeah. Well, we, we did have uh, an adult, 50-some years old, uh, doing 63 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour oh, zone man. so it's oh. just not kids that are speeding yeah yeah it's all demographics so yeah that and then uh truck traffic it seems like um you know we it looks like you're trying to build a nice uh, truck enforcement uh department basically or uh how do you say uh, an officer that's willing to address the truck issues that we have in town that's correct we try to have a truck officer on every shift and we had that handles other duties besides truck uh truck enforcement and then we do have one part-time officer that's dedicated solely to truck enforcement. And uh, 
Last year, we wrote about $110,000, $115,000 worth of truck tickets. And this year, we're on track to do a little bit more than that. So wow. so with your officers, I, they, I know they all have special training for that stuff. Like, uh, so do you guys actually like pull out scales and weigh them? Or like, what kind of enforcement is it? Yeah, last year, right before I got hired at the police department, uh, the village went ahead and purchased uh, portable truck scales. So we have one of our uh, squad cars is outfitted uh, with the truck scales in the back. So if the officer pulls somebody over and he's near one of the uh, certified weight, weight stations, he can go there. And if there's not a certified weight station, uh, he can pull out the scales and have the truck roll up on that. Yeah, it's a big focus because uh, these trucks are cutting through our town, uh, jumping to scales, and they're ruining our roads, and it's a hazard for our you know people walking and things like that. Uh, everyone that drives around there. Yeah, our truck officers are trained to to look at the registration, look at the size of the load, look at some characteristics of the of the tires and how the truck is uh, handling on the roadway to determine if it's overweight or not. And our one truck officer, uh, he's very good at it. I would say probably about 90% of the vehicles he pulls over are overweight to some extent. He doesn't ride them all. I mean, if they're just over by a pound or two or 100 pounds, he won't ride them. But uh, you know, some are several thousand pounds overweight. We're seeing mostly the container trucks uh, coming from the intermodal that are overweight or don't have the proper registration for their vehicle. Yep, or they're cutting through from another state. You know, they're trying to uh, take the GPS route instead of the actual route that was mapped for them for an oversized load. But your hands are kind of tied, right, going through Manhattan. There's not much you can do about truck traffic, like the amount of trucks coming through well, town, if they, right? Yeah, if they follow the rule, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we uh, have an issue with is when they're coming on to 52 from North Street and it's uh, over length. So they're not following the law there, and they get pulled over for that quite a bit, right? Correct, yeah. Over length and uh, uh, over width. Some of the trucks are over width. Uh, it can only be eight and a half feet wide, and if they have a wide load, they should have an escort with them. Yep, it's that a, would be a tight turn. I didn't even think <laughs> yeah. of that. You're right. I'm sitting here thinking of that intersection. Man, I would not want to be driving that truck. No. You know. Yeah, I'd see how they turn around in the city and stuff. It's unbelievable how they can uh, maneuver sometimes. But yeah, they're not supposed to be on that part of the road. But like I said, it seems like they keep bypassing uh, the scales on 57 and 80. Just try to get through, you know. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of them just cut off of when they're 57, they'll cut off on 52 and come right through town instead of going to the scales. One of the things I talked about, uh, Chief, with you was, you know, self-defense class for young women. And, you know, it sounds like we're getting closer to that date where we can offer a free class to any of the residents that live in Manhattan. If you're under 18 years old, I believe you have to have a, a parent with you. So if you could tell us a little bit about that. I know it's not set in stone yet with a date, but that's one thing that we're focusing on with the community policing. Yeah, we located a uh, certified instructor that lives in town or near town. And he's willing to do it for us. And uh, we're just trying to coordinate a date with him, uh, our school district, because our school is going to supply one of the gymnasiums for us to use. And once we get that all locked in, we'll start advertising it. And uh, like the mayor says, uh, it's open to anyone 18 and over. And if you're under 18, you'll have to have an adult with you. I think that's a great idea. Yep. I think it's great. Are you a reader by chance, a book reader? I read some books. Uh, yeah. you're, I, I just know what all the police, the one that's popular is uh, Gift of Fear. What I, what I meant to say was when violence is the answer. Uh, in that book, just with the self-defense thing, um, he had so many stories of women that a defense class like this saved their lives. Like they go into it thinking, ah, I'll never need this. Yeah. And they come out of it so happy that they took this. Especially with young young teens. And for example, my daughter's going to be 13 and all she cares about is TikTok videos and her you know uh, social media life on her phone. And 
maybe this will help her be aware of her surroundings and what the possibility is of something that if it, you know, God forbid it did happen, she'd be able to at least protect herself a little bit. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. This class will teach uh, some situational awareness and just give them a higher level of confidence. Maybe they'll avoid being a victim, but if someone does attack them, we're just going to try to teach them how a few uh, a few ways how to get away from somebody, a few strikes, how they can slow down their attacker so they can get away. Yeah, that's pretty much this. This in this book, the guy describes uh, the girl from Legally Blonde. Like pretty much the same girl showed up to her class, not really caring. Yeah. And she ended up sleeping one. She fell asleep in bed one night, and a guy came in. Oh man! And she got out of that alive, unscratched. So, but it's from defense classes like that. So I'm hoping I can get my wife to do something like that. You well, know? Uh, it's for residents right now, but maybe if we, uh, oh, know. even just in general, just yeah. the you know, just self defense because she's she would be taken over very quickly right now. <laughs> yeah. Our instructor, he's done other classes, and they made the same type of comments that you just did about uh, uh, the reason why they want to take the class. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a good turnout. We'll start uh, promoting it once we get a date set and uh, everything organized. It'd be great. Last one I have on the list here is safety in the community. But we kind of touched on well, that in a bunch of different ways, didn't we? Yeah, I was just thinking that uh, that's one of our main focuses is always uh, you have a safe community. How do you maintain the safety in the community? And ensure that um, it stays safe, and that's what uh, Chief Jeff, Jeff Wold has been doing. Is you know just focusing on all that stuff, and hopefully uh, we just keep being a safe community. And you know as we grow, it just continues to be safe. Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest keys for keeping a safe community is keeping the lines of communication open. And I encourage any resident that sees something suspicious or hears something suspicious to call nine one one or the non emergency number. Uh, if they have questions about what's going on in their neighborhood, call the police department. You know, we'd love to hear from you, and we want to take care of a problem before it gets out of hand. So please, please give us a call, and we'll do do our best to to resolve the itch, the situation. And the other great thing with uh, Manhattan Police Department, I mean, they're at pretty much every community event. Uh, the chief is at every community event. I mean, they're interacting with community members, and you know, people love that when you can sit and talk to an officer and. You know, see them around town all the time doing good things. Well, I was actually going to tee up a question about this. Um, cause, just because, like, uh, growing up for us, like, I wasn't close to any police officers. Like, they were just they were just somebody in the community. I didn't have anybody close to me. And so, to me, growing up, it's like they were the ones chasing you out of the park, blowing fireworks off, you know. Like, 15, 20 years later, you insert my brother-in-law as the new Lennox cop. And he's actually the one that's got me reading all these books and all that. And I had no idea... Like the mindset that goes through police officers, you pull somebody over and you got to kind of get into that condition yellow, you know, maybe a little more elevated and you got to be ready for anything. When that guy goes to roll down the window, you don't know who you have behind that window. And so pretty much uh, after realizing the actual life and mindset of police officers, is there anything you can say to people when a police officer approaches you? Is there anything you can like, kind of do to bring the situation down a notch? It's like... So the police officer knows hands on the steering wheel, maybe like yeah. they just know they know you're not a, a, a threat. Yeah, yeah, a threat. Yeah, well, we're human beings just like everyone else. If we walk up to you and you say hi, how you doing? You know, we'll engage you in a conversation. If you have questions, please feel free to ask us. Um, you know, we kind of let the people that we interact with uh, dictate how we treat them. You know, if someone's calling us names or wants to fight with us, then we protect ourselves. But if someone wants to engage and have a conversation, we're willing to do that as well. So just be open, polite, and just kind of de-escalate. You know, that that way the the police officer can kind of relax a little bit. They know you're not a threat. You know, I just with so many like elevated things, I just was wondering 
anything somebody can say or do. So it's like, oh, okay, this guy's cool, you know. Well, I think in Manhattan, a lot of the, the residents know our police officers, maybe not by name, but they recognize the vehicles and uh, they wave at our officers and our officers do engage quite a few of our residents. And I encourage that among our officers. And I like it when, you know, we'll have officers out and they see kids playing in the street, basketball or throwing a ball around. They go out and hang out with them for a few minutes. I encourage that. I encourage our officers to go to the schools, get to know the kids, know the teachers. You know, God forbid we have an emergency at the school. This way our officers have a better understanding how the school uh, operates. They understand who's in charge. They, they recognize the teachers. Uh, and I think it's important for our officers to uh, embrace the community. Yeah, definitely. I agree. The one thing I was wondering, does Manhattan have any kind of cadet program? We do not yet. That's something that's on my list to consider doing. Uh, first, we're going to start off with a college intern program. We reached out to a couple universities and said that we're willing to have an intern if they can uh, reach out to us with their requirements. So far, I haven't heard back yet, but it's uh, if we don't hear something soon, I imagine this summer we probably won't happen. Well, one thing that when you got in, uh, it seemed like you started was working with the Manhattan Fire Department on uh, emergency drills and start cross-training, right? Is that... Is that something that you just started? Uh, well, that started me and uh, the fire chief, uh, Steve Malone. We met a couple times, and we talk about the rescue task force. That's where the police and fire work together at you know major incidents where we need to rescue people, but there may still be uh, an armed person that needs to be apprehended. So we work together on that. We do CPR, uh, AED training, first aid. Uh, in the last class that we went to, we just talked about how police respond to fire emergencies and vice versa, how fire responds to police emergencies. So we have a better understanding what the police officer needs from the fire and vice versa. Well, it's good. I think that's great to work together like that. I mean, you guys show up to the same accident scene, for example, or the same situation, and it's nice not to show up and say, well, what do we do now? You know, I mean, you guys have a plan and it's going to be executed. Yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, Manhattan Fire and the Manhattan EMA are great public safety partners. We work together. Whenever there's an event, we'll meet ahead of time and come up with a pre-plan. And uh, if there is a big accident or a big situation, everyone shows up and helps out and does their part. No, it's great. I, I just, uh, do you have anything else, Jim, you wanted to ask? Yeah, the one thing I was going to ask, so let's say this is the, uh, like a 16, 17-year-old listens to this podcast and really decides they want to be a police officer, somebody's mom is listening, they really like the idea of it, and they want to push their son or daughter into it, what would you say is, like, the best route? Like, would it be a four-year degree? Would it be to not do a four-year degree? Like, what would be – if somebody wanted to pursue being a police officer? And do you recommend a uh, police officer as a career? Well, I had a great career as a police officer, or I'm having a great career as a police officer, and I would recommend it. Uh, the best way to become a police officer – uh, I say the more you can learn ahead of time, if you can go to a two-year uh, junior college and get a degree in law enforcement, that'll give you a good head start. A four-year degree would be even better. Uh, but there really is no requirements for a lot of smaller departments, whether you have to have a uh, high school diploma or college degree. But uh, the more education you can get ahead of time, I would recommend that. And if there's a cadet program or any type of, um, maybe there's you know open house or something, they can come and view what maybe what it takes to be a police officer, maybe there's something like that that could happen in the future. Absolutely. And uh, if you're interested in being a police officer, I'd encourage somebody to go out to the Manhattan Police Department or their local police department and sit down and talk with an officer. If they want to be a detective, talk with a detective and find out what the job is really all about and make sure that 
that's something they do want to do for the next 25, 30 years. Now, can they do a ride-along, or does that got to be a certain age? I mean, do you have to be 18, or is there rules for that? Or can you do a ride-along if you're a resident? Or Re- Residents 18 and older can do a ride-along. Uh, if we have a cadet program, we'll look at modifying that, but uh, these cadets are usually 16 and older. Okay. But, uh, all right, a couple of the other updates that I wanted to inform everybody. Obviously, we always talk about Cedar and Baker Road. This has been going on for a very long time. We finally got everything out of the way. AT&T is all complete, so Julie's out there marking, and we hope that they will be able to start construction in a week or two. I mean, that's weather depending and all that stuff, but i just like to keep everyone informed. This is on a turn lane, right? Uh, they're adding turn lane down Cedar Road and on Baker Road, and it'll have another turn lane onto uh, Hanover Estates. That's been an intersection of uh, concern for many years. We finally got a stop sign that's been installed in there, and that really seemed to help with uh, traffic incidents. I haven't heard anything lately. Yeah. So, uh, Chief, has there been a lot of accidents at that location? No, since the stop sign went up, we haven't had any serious problems at all there. Oh, There's great. fender benders at most, right? Yes. That's good. No, so it's working. So hopefully uh, they get out there. So if you see construction out there, that's what you'll be looking at. Uh, I always try to keep everyone updated. A couple of things that we're working on is um, Ron Adamski and Aaron McDonough. They are they put together a community garden. So look on our village website for that. It's basically a way that you can go and have a little spot behind Wellhouse, uh, right next to the subway. There's a, a location there where it's a raised garden bed. You can uh, you know basically rent one of those for free of charge. Just register, and you can grow your own stuff. So if you're in a condo or a spot where you don't have any access to land where you can grow any vegetables you could just do it there there'd be a couple uh water tanks there so you could water everything do you know how many spots are available there's, or anything there's 12 spots i believe we got seven filled already so there's only four or five left uh, maybe maybe six so I, I think the last time i looked at the number was seven so there's five left according to that yeah it seems to be going over really well hopefully uh, it works out that's something great that they brought to the community it seems like there's a need if we already have seven uh, a couple other things we're always focusing on community events. We have a bunch of big plans. We're going to do our uh, touch a truck and village open house May 14th. That's 10 to noon. It's on a Saturday. We have live music. You can come tour to village hall. You have uh, you can have some snacks. Uh, we have uh, you know refreshments and things like that. Other things we're looking at is the downtown area where we put an RFQ out or request for qualifications for different planning firms to come down and visit with us and kind of sketch a couple different design ideas to get a uniform uh, you know, direction on what we're going to do with the downtown area. What does RQ stand for? You just said it, I know. but Re- uh, Request for qualifications. Basically, we're just asking engineering firms to send us a resume ultimately so we can review it. We can interview some uh, different firms. I mean, it's more of a planning than engineering. And uh, one thing I, I wanted to say too is that we're trying to put together a plan to remove the electric poles downtown. So we're meeting with ComEd. We're going to go through the engineering stages of that just to get a plan together and a cost analysis so that we could submit it for some grant money that's coming down the line. And that's down 52 and all that, right? Yeah. As you come in just past Sitco, as you are headed south on 52, when you come to the Y where Times Square is, all those overhead poles, it's just an abundance of overhead poles and separate poles for uh, different flags and things that we decorate with. And there's a lot of signage on them roads. So we're trying to clean it up and make it more open so people can ride a bike up and down the sidewalk a little easier, you know. And one thing I wanted to mention that, uh, Chief, I think I forgot to talk about was the chili cook-off. There's a big thing coming on uh, Sunday. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, this Sunday we have the Manhattan Chili Challenge at uh, 
at the Roadhouse on 52. It's going to be the police against the fire in one division, and then we have an open division open to uh, residents, and we have about nine or ten residents signed up to cook chili. And uh, starts at 12 noon. Should be a good time. If you're hearing this podcast and you're available to come on out, please do. Yeah, I'm even trying to make some chili. I'm making smoked venison chili, which um, I don't know if I should say that, but I give it away. Uh, too late. I uh, gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> we could edit it. But uh, I'm actually entering in to try to, you know, get a chance at winning. Um, there is a gift, right, if someone wins uh, first place? Yeah, $100 Amazon gift card for first place, and that's only for the public category. Police and fire are just playing or uh, cooking for bragging rights. And not only that, there's also a fundraiser. We're going to have, uh, I believe it's 50-50 raffles and, and things like that for uh, Special Olympics, is it? Yeah, Special Olympics, and then the fire's collecting for Camp I and Me. It's the burn camp in Illinois for kids. Great. So if you come out and uh, you know support that, and you can always donate for those great causes and have some chili and have a good time. Who's doing the cooking for you guys? Uh, it's going to be Chief Against Chief for the uh, Public ah, Safety Challenge. Cool, cool. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So come on out at noon. Yeah, we're going to smoke the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't know how to put out the fire, that chili. <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much the update. It's, uh, I apologize again for being a little bit delayed on this, but I wanted to put together a, you know, an interview style with uh, Chief, and it, I'm glad he was able to make it. Thanks again for coming. I really appreciate it. I just want to say thanks, Mayor, for having me on your podcast. Uh, thanks to our village board for all the support that they show the police department. Uh, thanks to our guys. I like that you keep it smooth at our station. And uh, most of all, thanks to our residents for, uh, you know, I really enjoy meeting you. And I look forward to meeting more of the residents this summer as uh, I get out and about to the different uh, community events. And thanks, Jim Miller, for, uh, you know, hosting us today with this podcast. It's always nice to have a trained professional operate these yeah, once right. in a while. I, but I will say <laughs> the Whistle Mission Outdoors podcast comes out every Thursday. Yep, so. every Thursday. And that's the, the one to listen to. Uh, mine is kind of, you know, mediocre and it's in my basement. This is professional style here. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, thanks again. And, uh, again, if you have any questions or concerns or want to contact me about this podcast, just uh, email me at manhattanminutepodcast at gmail.com. And I'd be glad to uh, either talk about it or set up an interview or, you know, just reply back to you. Sometimes it takes me a couple of days because there's so many emails going through that account. But, uh, you know, I'll do my best to get back to you. So thanks again for listening to Manhattan Minute Podcast. Have a great day.